The greatest mistake any believer can make is to think that once they have received Christ in their lives, that there is nothing else that needs to be done that cannot be farther away from the truth. When we come to Christ, it is only the beginning of a daily and eternal walk with Him, following Him and looking to do the Lord's will. If we don't endeavor to live that way, we will simply not make it into the Lord's kingdom. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be explaining that faithfulness is a requirement. We need to be mindful of all the things we owe God. Even though He gives us all things freely, out of the goodness of His heart, we are indebted to Him for these gifts we are given. We are His creation. We each exist on His say-so. We are given the opportunity for eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ all things given by God through His grace. But despite them being gifts, we will be held accountable for what we did with them. We need to be found faithful by God if we want to attain eternal life and eternal reward. Today's message is inspired on Luke chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, blessed be your name. Blessed are you, O Lord God, for you are good and for your mercies everlasting. Your kingdom come, Lord God. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Blessed Lord, Heavenly Father, I pray, Holy God, that you please always have mercy on us, Lord. We need you, O Lord. We need your guidance, Heavenly Father. Help us to understand, Lord God, that we need to be faithful. And we need to understand all the things that you have given us, Lord God. And that we need to, Lord God, do the best that we can with all of your gifts. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that we will be held accountable, Lord God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is in Luke chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. This is the word of the Lord. He also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
Why did the Lord choose money to help us understand the things of his kingdom? There are many reasons, but primarily it's because it is something we can all understand. The Lord chose certain everyday things so we can understand the association and money is very important in our society. In the parable we just read, he was conveying the point that when something is committed to a person's responsibility, something of value, then there must be something gained. Now, what has God committed to each one of us? The very first thing that God has committed to every human being is the knowledge of his existence. Every single person should understand that there is a God. As a matter of fact, it says like this in the book of Romans, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And so if God says that we have no excuse, then we have no excuse. Just because a group of people got creative, so to speak, and came up with the concept of evolution, does not excuse them from the absolute truth that there is an almighty God that created everything, including their own existence. If there is one thing that we have said and will continue saying over and over is this, that our opinions do not dictate reality. Just because a person chose to create the concept of evolution, for example, or whatever else that goes against God's existence, and or people chose to believe in whatever else outside of God, that does not negate the fact that there is a God. Our opinions do not control or change reality. God will be God whether people want to believe in him or not, and they will not be excused from God's judgment. And so this is the very first fundamental truth that every human being is responsible for, the acknowledgement of God's existence. What is another thing that every single person is responsible for, especially as it relates to God's existence? That we're all sinners. Every single person is aware of their sin and offenses to God through their conscience. Each of us has this capacity. In the book of Acts, it says it like this, This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. And as a matter of fact, this was the whole problem when man sinned against God, when man fell by disobeying and eating of the forbidden fruit. For it says this in Genesis chapter 2, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And so this was what gave us all the ability to know good and evil. This gave us our conscience, the understanding of knowing when we have offended God or not. So that ability within itself makes us responsible and accountable before the Lord because we know full well when we do right and wrong. And again, it's not a matter that our opinion has any kind of ruling over. It doesn't matter what standard people try to come up with or create on their own. God is the one that has determined what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. Our own human laws or society's acceptance is not what determines God's standards. And this is what the word of God has to say about sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it also says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. But praise be to God that although we have this sin problem that separates us from him, 
He created a way for forgiveness, for salvation, through his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he has done for us, and he has done this graciously, undeservedly. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The forgiveness of sins is something that was only made possible through the death and resurrection of his Son, and he did it through his grace and mercy. For it is also written, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But although salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ is a free gift from God, there is a responsibility that comes along with it. God has invested in us through salvation by giving us this opportunity to have eternal life. But like every investment, he requires a return. And this is why we go back to where we started, this concept of money. Salvation is free to us, although it was an incredibly high price that the Lord paid for us. But God requires a return on his investment. We are accountable to him for having received such an entrustment. We cannot receive salvation and just say thank you or make like nothing happened. Through his grace and mercy, we have been made stewards of this treasure of eternal life and salvation, those of us that have made that decision. We need to make good use of his investment in us. For instance, in the epistle to the Philippians, we are told that we need to take care of our salvation and that we take care of it through obedience to the Lord. For it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In the second epistle to Timothy, we read even more conditions where it says, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Now, some people interpret that being faithless means that this gives us room to sin indefinitely, but that is not the case. When we come to Christ, we need to repent and convert from all of our sins. We can't continue living life business as usual. Now, that doesn't mean that we will be perfect or sinless because we are still living in the flesh in this imperfect state. But what does that mean is that God continues to have mercy on us when we sin, but not intentionally or the practice of sin. There is a big difference between sinning unintentionally and the practice of sin. We can commit mistakes, we can sin, but we cannot sin to the point that if it becomes something careless or in rebellion against the Lord. The word of God is very clear on this point. We read in Galatians the following. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul also advises believers that we're not supposed to take advantage of the grace we receive through the Lord Jesus Christ. For it says, For what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. 
How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be saved to sin. And so we are to do away with sin in our lives through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit and through our daily walk with the Lord. If we were made free from sin, then we should walk in newness of life. We should continue changing as the Holy Spirit prompts us to do always. This is the only way we can continue to grow in Him and fulfill the purpose of our creation and salvation. Again, salvation is a free gift, but God wants a return in our lives for the sacrifice of His Son on the cross. His purpose is to gain from our lives. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25, we read that the Lord Jesus Christ taught about this very concept through the parable of the talents, that we are to be faithful and render a product to multiply what he gives us. For it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back mine own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So you see, even though a person might be a servant of God, if they don't produce for the Lord, if they don't multiply what they have been entrusted through the power of the Holy Spirit, they will be cast out of God's kingdom. And of course, there's only one place that they can go to, 
where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, where there is constant and eternal torment. If we have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, then there is a liability for it. If a person chooses to reject the gospel, to reject Christ, then God's wrath is upon that person. For it is written, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And if a person also receives the gospel of Jesus Christ, but does nothing for the Lord, if they do not multiply what the Lord has given them, they too will face the ultimate penalty. We must do the will of the Father in order to be saved. We must give Him what is His and more. That's the expectation. We were ultimately created and saved to serve Him and to render a product as His servants. And finally, we are to bear fruit when we receive the Word of God. We will be held accountable for having been exposed to the knowledge of His Word. We are to be faithful with the Lord when He has given us the knowledge of the Scriptures. We read of this in the Gospel of Luke where it says, And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to Him from every city, He spoke by a parable. And a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And we had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, and who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So it should be very clear that we cannot dismiss the word of God or let the things of this world choke it. We need to produce much fruit as a result of having the privilege of his word in our lives. If we don't produce fruit, we'll be cut off. We'll be cast away. We need to be faithful to the Lord with all of the things he gives us. Our lives need to render a product for the salvation we are given, for the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and for the word he imparts in our lives. For it is also written, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned." The greatest mistake any believer can make is to think that once they have received Christ in their lives, that there is nothing else that needs to be done that cannot be farther away from the truth. When we come to Christ, it is only the beginning of a daily and eternal walk with Him, following Him and looking to do the Lord's will. If we don't endeavor to live that way, we will simply not make it into the Lord's kingdom. Don't be fooled. This is not a game. Our salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ is a precious gift that we will be held accountable for in the great final judgment of God. We need to be fruitful and faithful 
with everything we have received through His grace, or else we will lose it all, including our own soul. My advice to you is to take seriously the great things and opportunities God is granting you each and every day and to do His will by rendering the product He is looking for. We are given great opportunities all of the time. Knowing that there is an Almighty God is a great opportunity. Knowing that we need to repent and convert from our sins is difficult to accept but we gain forgiveness and salvation through the opportunity we are granted graciously through the Lord Jesus Christ if, in fact, we repent and convert. And of course, every time we are exposed to God's truth through His Word, we are given opportunities to do His will for our benefit and for His eternal glory. We need to understand for our own sake that all of these things are incredible God-given opportunities. We were created and made, and now through the Lord Jesus Christ, saved for eternal purposes. God's view for us is always on the bigger picture, the greater gain. We will all be judged one day by the Lord God Almighty for our actions, and based on what we did with the opportunities He gave us daily, is how He will decide whether we did His will or not. And we need to be mindful of the fact that the only way we will attain Eternal life and eternal reward is by being faithful with what He gives us. We only have two options in the grand scheme of things, either to do God's will or not. That's it. We have no other choices to make. We have no other options. And the issue is that if a person chooses to not do the will of God the Father, then they are choosing for everything else that is outside of His love, grace, and mercy. The problem with that is that there is no forgiveness of sins in anything else. There is no eternal life in anything else. There is no hope in anything else. God holds everything that truly matters within Himself. We need to do the best we can through the Lord Jesus Christ and give the return that the Lord is looking for. He gives us daily life and sustenance so we can take advantage of the opportunities He gives us to produce for Him. I would urge you for your own sake to look to be faithful to Him with everything you have and are. If we give God the return He is looking for, He will give us those things that only He can give, those things that He has reserved for those that love Him and seek Him earnestly. You have incredible things to gain, so endeavor to give God the gains He is looking for. Be faithful to Him so He can reward your faithfulness in eternity. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, Blessed are you, O Lord God. Thank you, O Lord, for all the great opportunities that you give us each and every day. Thank you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that you desire to involve us, O Lord, with your kingdom, with your things, all out of the goodness of your heart. Thank you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that you give us access to all those things through your Son, Jesus Christ. That you give us hope. You give us the forgiveness of sins and you give us salvation. Heavenly Father, help us to value all these things that we have available through you, through your Son, Jesus Christ. And help us, O oh Lord, to live, to honor you, and to serve you, to do those things that please you. Help us, O oh Lord, to be faithful in everything that we do. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise, O Lord God, for you and you alone are worthy. In the 
the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.